Jesus is enough. Welcome to Grace Walk Radio. I'm your host, Derek Lewandowski, and I'm here with my diminutive friend, Caleb Berg. <laughs> Howdy. <laughs> Caught off guard a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I never know what I'm going to say. I know what I'm going to say when I get up and preach on a Sunday, but I don't know what I'm going to say when I start off these shows sometimes. I just I just That's let good. it flow, man. You know, I got to keep it. Got to keep it real. Yeah. Got to keep it real and, you know, got to keep it short. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, I wouldn't pick on you if you didn't pick on yourself so often. So I know, I know that this is a fair game. You know, the beautiful thing about doing a podcast, an audio podcast, is nobody has any idea what you're talking about unless they know us. (laughs) I know, it's true. I'm five foot four. All right. Yeah, which, I'm short. <laughs> but that's not, you know, I mean, there's this guy shorter than you, like three, not, not many. Like three I mean, or four of them. Danny DeVito? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and any of, the, any of the people that I know that are shorter than me are also about 30 years younger than me. So. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, and they're younger than 10. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, welcome to Grace Walk Radio. We talk about how to live under grace in a modern world. We talk about the gospel in belief and practice. You know, Caleb, this morning we were meeting with a group of pastors and it was, it was refreshing, you know, uh, but also sobering. You know, yeah. We talked about grace and we talked about uh, rest and how um, theology needs to shape even our culture as leaders and pastors because it's so easy to get driven and, yeah. as they say, so consumed with the work of the Lord that we forget the Lord of the work. And, yeah. you know, that was a, it was a pretty uh, refreshing but riveting conversation this morning with that group of pastors. Yeah. You know, as I guess I'm still a young minister in, in that regards. I'm only 35, but to hear someone on the opposite side of the, uh, um, I don't want to say spectrum, but the other, or farther down the further road, further down yeah. the road. Yeah. There we go. That's a good, a good phrase. Um, it, it was very sobering to, to hear things about, you know, family and, and just longevity and, and finishing well, um, such a needed conversation, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think, honestly, I think it's one that crosses over into just all walks of life. Um, don't, don't forget rest for the sake of busyness. I know busyness can be appealing, but there's so much lost with busyness, you know, family, um, your, your own relationship with the Lord, um, don't lose sight of the things that are the most important because you're worried about busyness and filling your time and your schedule. It's, in the end, it'll be more detrimental. Yeah, and the gospel is rest, right? Yeah. I mean, we can summarize the gospel by saying it is rest. And one of the things I've noticed in my own life is when I start to feel driven and I don't rest, it's, it can be a sign that I'm not believing the gospel that day or that week. And so the opposite is also true. Because I believe God is sovereign, because Jesus already won the victory, because it doesn't all depend on me, because it depends on Christ and he's Lord of his church and he will build his church, I can take a nap. I can take a day off. It's not all (laughs) on me. And so by resting, I'm actually affirming my faith that Jesus is enough, that, that he is Lord of his church and that it's not all dependent upon me. And I think... Spiritual leaders really need to hear that. You know, pastors, those who are involved in mentoring and discipling, uh, there's times when you need to really back off and let the Lord be the Lord. Yeah. So anyway, it, it was uh, it was so a sobering I, conversation. Yeah, I guess in the course of that, you know, 
what sticks out is that we can turn um, even something that's good, like ministry, mm-hmm. into an idol. Hey, look, I see what you did there. <laughs> Segue like <laughs> into our topic today. We are in the second part of, uh, you know, I, I like to sound like I know what I'm talking about with how many uh, episodes we're going to have in a series. Yeah. I, I'm going to say part two. We might end up having a part three. We might end up having a part four. Part 15. Yeah, who knows? Um Right now, this is, I, I definitely know this is part two. Yep. We're talking about idols. Um, so let's reset a little bit. Um, last week, we, uh, we looked at the scripture from Exodus thirty four fourteen. You shall worship no other God, the Lord said to Moses, for the Lord whose name is Jealous. We talked about that name of God and how he has a righteous jealousy because he made us for himself and he knows we're only satisfied when we find our satisfaction in Him and our identity in Him, and we're defined by Him and uh, not by any created thing, but by our Creator. And so we talked about that and how He reached for us through Christ, and He reaches for us even through our circumstances. He reaches for our hearts uh, to rescue us from idols and how really the fundamental problem, one of the ways you might describe sin uh, fundamentally is it's idolatry. It's placing too high a value on something uh, and too low a value on God. So today we're going to continue talking about uh, idols, and uh, specifically, uh, I want to look at this verse in 1 John 2.16, which is, you know, Christ's Apostle John is writing about um, the things that tempt us in the world, and he uses a word that is very powerful, but I think it can be lost in translation, But it's so important to understand it because every single apostle who wrote epistles used this word and talked about this principle um, that shows up in 1 John 2.16, where John says, All that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And if you look at the King James, it says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Um, And the, the, the issue with uh, our understanding of this verse is, like I said, it can get lost in translation because when we hear the word lust, we almost primarily think of sexual desires. Yeah. But this word lust, which is translated in the, in the ESV as desires, same word, lust or desires, is the Greek word epithumia, and it literally means over-desire. Over-desire. And this is one of the most powerful things I think that the apostles teach us about uh, our nature to run from God, our nature to sin, and our nature to worship idols. Um, so let's put that word in, in the verse. All that is in the world, the over-desires of the flesh and the over-desires of the eyes. That is by nature idolatry, which means you have too great a desire for something. I'll say it differently. You have too high a value on something or you're 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 defining it or valuing it or giving different value to it than God does. So if you understand what epithumia is, you'll understand how idols work because that means anything can turn into an idol. For example, even good things, good things we don't want to part with but can become an idol. Um, you know, let's, let's take money. Money is not a bad thing. We need money to survive. We need money for sustenance and to pay the bills. But if you over-desire, if you epithumia money, it becomes greed. Yeah. Right? Um, if you over-desire food, 
We need food, right? You don't want to say, well, food's an idol, so I'm going to stop eating food. That's, that's silly. But can food be an idol? Yes. And what's the biblical word for epithumia of food? Gluttony. Yeah. Sex over desire becomes adultery, mm-hmm. fornication, homosexuality, yeah. bestiality, right? So all these, these the, we over desire uh, something that God created even for our blessing. We put too high a value on it. It becomes an idol. I mean, epithumia sounds like a disease, right? Yeah. Do you have epithumia? Let me help you. Yes, you do. The, the, the question isn't, do you worship idols? The question is, which idols tempt you, <laughs> yeah. right? What, what do you, what are you tempted to over-desire in your life? That's where idolatry is. Yeah. I mean, um, isn't this exactly how the world operates? I mean, look at something as simple as marketing. They just pinpoint what people over-desire and exploit it. So how do you sell more clothes? Find the most attractive people to model them. Make them look irresistible. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, people will buy your clothes. Um, how do you market a cheeseburger that's probably terrible for you? Make it look irresistible. And people will buy it and mm-hmm. eat it, even though what you buy in the store looks nothing like what was on the TV ad. <laughs> so if you make it you know, seductive enough, people will chase after it because it exploits the desires of our heart and the things that we over-desire. Well, that's how marketing works. Right? Yeah. The way marketing works is don't be satisfied. Yeah. Right? You, you don't have enough yet. Mm-hmm. Right? The minute you think you do, we're going to advertise something to you and move yeah. happiness away from you just a little bit, you know, $20 away from you or $50 <laughs> away from yeah. you or a car $20,000 away from you. And if you just get this, then you'll be complete. You'll be satisfied. Uh, it's almost like, you know, you look at uh, video gaming systems. I remember years back, a, a friend of mine got me a PS2. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got it for our family. He got a PS2 system for Christmas. I mean, it's been years since that's been yeah. relevant. But um, then we got a PS2. And I remember within the next like year or two, I was watching TV and an advertisement came on TV for a PS3. And they were, <laughs> what? <laughs> they were almost like insulting their last yeah. product too. They're like, oh, oh, PS2, that's, that's the past. <laughs> that's so... Last year, yeah. now you need yeah. a PS3. And it was like they, they moved happiness away just out of reach a little bit. And that's how marketing works. And, and they, they play on the epithumia, yeah. the over-desire. Uh, and, and yet David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Mm. I shall not want. He's, he, he says, I'm content in the Lord. Yeah. And you know, that scripture has saved me many times from epithumia. I'm, I'm walking down the aisle of a store and I go, oh man, wouldn't I like that? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not yeah. want. Oh, I, I want, I, I have to have this, right? I, I need this. No, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And, and that, that's a mark that we're coming out of our idols, yeah. is we lose that, um, that anxiety that we have. Yeah. I think about needing things or the next thing that is going to satisfy me or the next thing that's going to entertain me or, or fill this appetite. No, we become christ centered, not, and Christ-driven, word-driven, not appetite-centered or appetite-driven. Um, you see, when we worship God, here's the, here's the interesting dynamic. Everything actually works better in our lives. Mm-hmm. Food works better. Sex works better, right? Um, money works better. Family works better. When, 
when the one great overarching desire for God is in the right place in our lives, then all desire for other things actually finds its right place in our lives, and we don't seek in those things which we can only gain from Christ. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, contentment is a work of grace in our hearts. You know, um, if you look at Paul, especially in the book of Philippians, um, <laughs> we love the verse. Every sports star uses it, and and sometimes appropriately and sometimes not. Um, Philippians four thirteen. you know, uh, through Christ, I can do all things who strengthens. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens mm-hmm. me. Um, it's less about lifting weights and more about contentment. So, um, contentment, which is the the killer of idols, comes through grace. Mm-hmm. And Paul experienced it. I mean, in the book of Philippians alone, we're basically told, um, you know, he's he's experienced both good and bad. He's experienced. Um, much he's experienced little um when he went to philippi the first few days he was there he was staying in lavish accommodations because one of the first families that accepted um him and his his work there and and came to know christ was uh lydia and her family and they took him in and they were very wealthy Mm -hmm. um and then a few days later he's in prison and he writes the book of philippians from prison Mm. so he literally knew less and he knew more and in Christ he could do all of it Hmm. because it was Christ who was strengthening his heart and who was bringing contentment to his heart. Yeah, it's like his, what he was placing value on was ordered. Yeah. You know, it was put in the right place in his life. And and, and it's like when when you have an idol, what happens is it, it like becomes the center of your solar system. You might even believe in God, you might even be a Christian, but in a sense... God is orbiting around your idol, yeah. Uh, and instead of you and whatever you're worshiping being ordered around Christ. So when we order our lives, our sexuality, our our, our resources, our our relationships, our family, our career, our, our dreams, our goals, when we when we arrange it around Christ and not ask Christ to arrange Himself around us, um, we're starting to see what an idol-free life looks like. Yeah. Here's a quote from C.J. Mahaney. He says, As Christians, we don't burn incense to crudely carved wooden images. Uh, This is from his uh, teaching series, The Idol Factory. But we do worship a host of idols that take a far different form, one one that has been called the shape of unbelief. All of us place at least some of our trust in things other than God. Modern day idolatry is an issue of the heart. Did you know your heart was an idol factory? And it's true. Like if you consider the idea of epithumia over desire, we are constantly producing idols. I mean, even like it can be an abstract thing. Like I know, for example, um, a few years back, the Lord convicted me that my own comfort in my home uh, had become an idol to the point where I was getting mad at my kids. Like if if the if Sunday afternoon didn't go the way I wanted, and it was you know disrupted or interrupted by a situation or, and I would just, I would lash out in anger, you know, at my, at my family. And the Lord's like, look, it's okay to bring order to your home and to lead your home. Right. But the anger, uh, the anger is, is showing you that there's a problem here. You're you're over, you're over desiring something. And it was my comfort. My comfort was an idol. Well, anger is one of those things. That's an indicator, you know, of, uh, it's a symptom. It's a, it's a way of seeing, um, 
where idolatry lies. I'm so thankful um, at the men's retreat that we had here at Grace Life uh, this past spring. Um, Kevin Maloney, who shared uh, on a previous couple episodes of this podcast, actually talked about this very thing. And just like, where's the anger in your life? Where where do you see that rising up? It's because of an idol. Um, And he shared an example that I relate with really well because I've experienced it many a time. Um, So here's some some confession. Um, he shared the story of driving around looking for a parking spot. They were at the beach, him and his wife, and they're looking for a parking spot. And he just, he lost his temper because he couldn't find a parking spot. Well, what was the idol that was surfacing there? It was his own comfort, mm. um, an idol of things being his way. Um, I think he said he got mad at his wife. He too. got <laughs> mad at his wife over the parking spot because somehow in his mind, you know, when we get angry, we become pretty irrational. Mm. He th- just lashed out at her because she wanted to go to the beach. In reality, he wanted to go to the beach too, but he was more worried about his comfort than than anything else in that moment. And I've experienced that too. You know, <clears throat> whether it's the parking spot or for me, often it comes down to like, um, we'll be thinking about like where to go eat for dinner and she'll suggest something and we get there and it's packed and I get angry because she suggested it. <laughs> How irrational is that? Yeah. Like, she had no control whether people were eating at that restaurant. She had no control over the parking situation at that restaurant. We showed up to a restaurant once, and there was only like five parking spots in the for the entire restaurant. And they were all full, and it's not her fault. Mm. But I lashed out at her, right? You know, so, and then I have to repent and apologize to her and and own it. But the idol there is not even the parking spot. The idol there is not the restaurant. The idol there is not going to the beach. The idol there um, really is my preference of me and how important my time and my comfort is above all others. Mm. So take note of that. Uh, Symptoms of idolatry. First one is anger. Anger protects idols. Anger protects idols. So if you want to know where where you have an idol, look look at what upsets you, you know? If somebody... uh, you know, says something about about they criticize your work. <clears throat> yeah, you know, and 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 it uh, it sort of strikes a blow to your view of yourself and and your your excellence or your presentation of yourself, and 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 you just lose it. Well, yeah, we want to do good work, yeah. but be, there's probably a chain of an idol there uh, that's that's become something's become an idol. It, that's that's caused you to lose control of your temper and and, and you know or um, you know and, and I know there's been some criticism about this point I'm about to make um, but I, I it is absolutely true that your family can become an idol right yeah. uh, somebody says something about your kid you lose it mm-hmm. right well, why because the the pristine reputation or the way that you wanted to present yourself or your your high view, uh, too high view, yeah. of your kids. Um, I don't know your your kids' reputation or your or your family's reputation or your reputation. Um, Why did you get so angry? Anger protects idols. Uh, another symptom I think of idolatry is excess. Mm-hmm. So this is something we talk about a lot in our home. The two symptoms of idolatry: anger and excess. So if something has become too important to a person then you will see, stands to reason, you will see excess of that thing in their life. You know, food, for example. If someone, 
is you know a glutton and has made food an idol, then you will see too much food in their lives. Yeah. Uh, same thing can happen with desserts or snacks or you know with kids. It can happen with candy. Uh, video gamers. It can happen with video games. Yeah. Too too much. Like we don't necessarily need to take these things out of our lives. Some of these yeah. things we shouldn't take out of our lives, but they need to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ and be put in their proper place, so that we don't look to those things in a way that is excessive and could actually harm us. So you know, you get somebody addicted to video games. For goodness' sake, cell phones. Yeah, we talk about this all the time in our house. The excess that especially teens can give to cell phones and TikTok and Snapchat, that can become an idol. So sometimes we say to our kids, we've just seen t- it's been too much. So we built in recently some habits to lay our phones down at certain times of day and at certain times of the, we- uh, of the week yeah. uh, for a, a good part of a day just to get rid of that attachment yep. to that idol. So um, – Sometimes it, it's good to maybe go on a fast or yeah. or greatly reduce the interaction that you or a child or somebody that you're mentoring has with their idol so that it can lose its power in their life. One area where I, I think I've seen both excess and anger in my life um, has been sports. Um, so right now, um, I would say Liverpool is my favorite team as far as any type of team sport. Like I, I should mention NFL – I should mention, okay, don't forget yeah. what you're going to say, because yes. you're, you're, you're on a good train there. Um, I am now officially... Did I already announce this on you the did, show? You did, you okay. did. Well, I need to say it again, no, because we, can say it again. we get different listeners every yeah. week. I am a Liverpool fan. Yes. Thanks to, thanks right. to my friend Caleb. So I, yep. I, I'm on We're the, watching for excess. We're I'm watching on the bus. for excess. Okay. Go ahead. Um, I used to get really low and devastated when... Uh, a team that i'm a fan of loses you know i can remember being a kid and cheering for the minnesota vikings and oh man 1998 they went to the nfc championship game and they lost by a field goal and oh i was crushed i can't remember if i cried but i was i was devastated and i think i held that for a week a week or two you know like and then the super bowl rolled around and i i couldn't even hardly watch the Mm. super bowl because Oh man, the Vikings weren't there. They should have been. We got robbed. You know. Um, now I try to watch that in my life. So it's very easy to find excess. You know, mm. I I I support Liverpool. I watch Liverpool. Um, support is more of the word you hear when you're talking about soccer. Just for, mm-hmm. in case you don't know. Um, so I'm a Liverpool supporter. Um, I I could see excess creeping up there you know so i gotta i gotta watch that in regards to like not giving myself so far over to it that you know liverpool comes on so olive for the next two hours you need to be quiet because i'm watching the game Mm -hmm. um you know anger when they lose which doesn't happen often so you know maybe we'll (laughs) see what happens Uh, go red now when i started cheering for liverpool they were terrible so it was easier back then they lost a lot so i didn't have to worry about it too much because it was so common for them to lose but now they're the top of the world it's it's a lot harder so it's more devastating when they lose where am i getting angry where's the excess it's okay to watch soccer it's i mean it's not okay to be a man U fan but uh, it's okay to watch (laughs) soccer it's okay to watch the you know football, baseball. It's okay to enjoy those things and and turn them into praise, redeem them for for what they are, and turn it into praise for the good things that God has done. They make a terrible idol. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I mean, same thing with me. Like in the wrestling community, this has been something that the Lord's dealt with me on. Is uh, you know I'm a wrestling coach of a youth club. I've got six kids, and five of them wrestle. My daughter Joy 
sorry, okay, caution, bragging parent moment, okay? <laughs> my daughter Joy is ranked number three in the NCAA uh, for wrestling. My daughter Esther is ranked number three in the state. My son Reese just took fourth in sectionals, and actually tomorrow he's wrestling at the state qualifier. I'm a proud dad. Yeah. But I remember early on when, when my son Reese, I started the club for my son. I had no idea my girls would ever wrestle. But um, I started the club for my son, and the first time he won a match, it was so intoxicating. Yeah. I mean, it was like, and, all, and then I, I, I entered this world of youth wrestling, and I'm going back, you know, almost 10 years. And, um, you know, then came, then came regionals and states and placing at this event and, play, and then nationals and then came rankings. And, and it's like, you just start to, you know, and, and I, early on, like I, it would be very, matches would be a very emotional experience and I'd get angry at refs and sometimes I'd, you know, I'd, I'd have tension with my kids over how they competed or didn't compete. And, and um, over time, God in his mercy have allowed us to experience high highs and low lows. We've taken some really tough, quote unquote, devastating losses. Yeah. And in the grand scheme of life, eternity and the gospel, it's light and momentary. They're nothing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, and so, but I, but I had to go through all that in order for the Lord to show me you got to be careful about this. Like this, this, this can be an idol. This can pull you in and and steal your affections. And and so, it, by repenting of my idolatry uh, for my kid's success uh, and for the sport of wrestling, it's actually made me a better coach. I'm calmer. I'm more at ease. I'm more lighthearted. Uh, I flatline more. The you know the big wins are great, but they're not ultimately satisfying. The big losses are tough, but. They don't, you know, the sting doesn't last very long and we're able to laugh about it within a day, you know? So, um, it, it just, you see how this is, can, can really help even the most practical places of yeah. life. Like it's helping me in a, in a wrestling room. It's helping my yeah. kids, you know, when they walk out and wrestle at, you know, regional state and national tournaments. So, um, th- th- this part of the, you know, the gospel is practical and theology is yeah. practical and it's really, this really is helpful in my heart as a leader and a coach and a father, it's playing out in a very practical way. Yeah. You know, and when I hear you talking about that and the practicality of it all, um, I think maybe sometimes it might be easy for some people to listen to something like this and go, okay, but I don't have that in my life. I don't have something I'm so deeply connected to as Liverpool soccer or um, youth wrestling and being a coach. Like, all I do in my life is watch the news and go to church and go to work and um <clears throat> adultery still rears its ugly head there. Mm-hmm. Um I was actually listening to a song this week. Um and I guess I'd never really considered other than it's a really ca- catchy song, I never really considered how much it dealt with idolatry. Um and it's called Crucify Him by Shane and Shane. Um, which any any song by Shane and Shane can be um, you know just enjoyable to listen to just because they're so talented. Um, but I'm just so grateful for the gospel message that's in their music. And I just want to read a couple lyrics here. Um, so I sing Hosanna when I want it all. Then I crucify the Son of God because He isn't who I always thought, not what I want, but what I needed. I sing how great and mighty is the King, just as long as He considers me high above every other thing, even His glory. Broken like a record spinning round and round. Like a hurricane, I pour out water, then I disappear. Reappearing when I fear enough or need a touch from you. I sing Hosanna once again, then I say crucify him. 
the second verse, actually, I'll just read a, a bit of it, then I'll finish. It's packaged differently than Pharisees, wrapped in sing-alongs and Christianese, empty hallelujahs to the king when my heart is loving idols. And I guess, like, you know, what I was thinking of when I was considering this song was, man, this really speaks to the everyday person who doesn't even realize they're struggling with idols, doesn't even realize where their heart is going. So, you know, I think we all can relate to this. You know, we, we sing Hosanna when I want it all. And when things are going great, it is, it's easy to sing. It's easy to let your heart rejoice. Uh, but then when things aren't going quite the way we want, where is our heart? What are we saying? Um, maybe we don't scream out, crucify him. But the people that were shouting crucify him when uh, when Pontius Pilate asked, what do I do with this man? I think they were pursuing idols, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I just see this cycle in this song of like, things are good, things are bad, things are good, things are bad. Mm-hmm. But it, a lot of it has to do with where my heart's at. Mm-hmm. And when my heart is craving idols, when when we see excess and anger mm. over something specific, whatever it is, whether, whether it is something like sports or whether it's money, food, um, relationships, family, or even church, mm. church stuff, mm-hmm. you know, religious things and legalism and all that stuff. Fair, fair say that's a tough word to say. <laughs> I think you added two or three extra syllables there. Pharisaicism. Being a Pharisee. When that's rearing its ugly head, it's a form of idolatry. We're, we're craving those things more than God. Well, Jesus said to the Pharisees, how will you escape the wrath that is to come? You who seek the praises of men instead of the praises of God. So they ultimately sought in their reputation, in the applause of people, in the status they had in the community. He said, you love to be greeted in the marketplaces, right? They didn't have humility. There was a, a superiority and a self-righteousness there. And, and Jesus exposed them in his teaching, and they were furious. Yeah. Anger protects idols, yeah. right? So you, you might say it was the fact that they had an idol of their own reputation and of their own celebrity and, and fame uh, and popularity and when that was threatened and their positions of power were threatened, it ended up resulting in murder. Hmm. So the sin begets sin, right? So more sins came out of their idolatry, yeah. um, the very thing that caused the crucifixion of our Lord. So, all right, well, we got more to talk about next yep. week. Um, we might go one or two more episodes yeah, on idolatry. This is, this is so, this is so um, pervasive, in the Christian life. I don't think, maybe you didn't realize it until you listened to this podcast, how pervasive idolatry is. So we're going to keep talking about it because it's an important topic. But uh, Caleb, maybe you could close us in prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your jealous love. Um, I just ask that you would expose the idols of our hearts and that you would just draw us by your mercy and grace to repent of those things and to remember Christ and all that the cross affords us, and just uh, that we would kill the idols of our heart um, with contentment that is supernaturally empowered by your grace and your mercy, Lord, that we would depend on Jesus, that we wouldn't see these things raise up in our lives. And when they do, we would be quick to see them and give them to you, Lord. And I just ask that um, 
you would work in all of our hearts, those who are listening, let faith arise in their hearts, Lord. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, leave a comment. Uh, give us a like or review. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook, Grace Walk Radio. Uh, and you can follow Caleb at Caleb Berg. You can follow me at Derek Lewandowski on Instagram and Twitter. I love to interact with you and, um, and uh, love, to, love to make much of Jesus and talk about Jesus with you. So thanks for listening to the show. Uh, pray for us as we continue to preach the gospel through this podcast. Uh, we appreciate your, uh, your encouragement and for taking the time to listen. So God bless. You have a great day. Crucified and now risen.